Good morning. It is Monday, November 15th, and this is the Commuter Devotional. My name is Chuck, and I'm so glad that you have decided to join us today as we seek to engage our God in scripture and prayer before the busyness of our day begins. My friends, I want to let you know something. We are trying a couple new things with the audio on this podcast. We're constantly trying to make it sound better and better. As you guys know, if you were to listen to episode one of this podcast versus the latest episode, there's a huge difference in sound. So we're slowly trying to upgrade just a few things with the audio. So this week is going to be a week of testing. So it might be really loud. It might be really quiet. If you guys could just work with us this week, we're trying to trying to work it out, trying to figure it out, make it the most professional sounding that we possibly can in the basement of somebody's house. All right. So let me read our passage for us today. I'll pray and then we'll dive right into it. This is Zechariah chapter 9, verses 1 through 8. The oracle of the word of the Lord is against the land of Hadrach, and Damascus is its resting place. For the Lord has an eye on mankind and on all the tribes of Israel, and on Hamath also, which borders on it Tyr and Sidon, though they are very wise. Tyr has itself a rampart, and heaped up silver like dust, and fine gold like the mud of the streets. But behold, the Lord will strip her of her possessions and strike her down by power of the sea, and she will be devoured by fire. Ashkelon will see it and be afraid, Gaza too, and shall writhe in anguish. Ekron also, because its hopes are confounded. The king shall perish from Gaza. Ashkelon shall be uninhabited. A mixed people shall dwell in Ashdod, and I will cut off the pride of Philistia. I will take away its blood from its mouth and its abominations from between its teeth. It too shall be a remnant for our God. It shall be like a clan in Judah, and Ekron shall be like the Jebusites. Then I will encamp at my house as a guard, so that none shall march to and fro. No oppressor shall again march over them, for now I see with my own eyes. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we come out of our weekend and into this week, and we begin our Monday, Lord, as we look at this passage and begin this second part of the book of Zechariah, we ask for your help, not only with this passage, but also with our day. God, we feel It's a funny thing on Mondays. We feel energized from the weekend and yet already tired to begin it. So God be with us. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. If you heard me mention in the prayer, uh, this is actually the second half of Zechariah now. We're in um, the things that we got used to in the first half of the book now are going to disappear completely. So for example, for the rest of the book of Zechariah, there are no more visions. There is no more mention of Jerubbabel or of Joshua the high king, or the high priest, who was mentioned a lot in the first few chapters. No more of that. The rest of the book, from chapters 9 through 14, is all going to be a series of oracles. Actually, two oracles. Chapters 9 through 11 is the first one, and 12 through 14 is the second one. Just because we're changing in the book of Zechariah doesn't mean that the first half is closing its pages. Everything that was set up for us in the first half now is going to carry along into the second half. And what we'll see in the second half of the book, chapters 9 through 14, is images of this coming kingdom of the Messiah. There's going to be no more mention of the temple like we saw in the first half. This is all going to be oracles pointing forward to when the Messiah will come. In our passage today, at the beginning of this first oracle, we immediately see what is happening with the Lord. He's coming up against the enemies of God. Remember the Lord's promises in some of the other minor prophet books that we saw. God's 
enemies, the enemies of Israel, will be destroyed. At the beginning, at the end of verse 1, we find out why these enemies will be destroyed. For the Lord has an eye on mankind and all of the tribes of Israel, meaning these people are looking to God to fulfill his promise. The Lord will pour out his righteous wrath against the enemies of God. And many commentators who hold to the authority of these oracles, meaning they truly believe that they are prophetic, looking forward, that these things will actually happen, believe that this first oracle here, this first part of it, was fulfilled in Alexander. Yes, that Alexander, Alexander the Great of Greece, who came and conquered all of these cities that are mentioned in our passage. From verses 5 through 8, the Lord is talking about the Philistines and names three or four of the biggest cities in Philistia, which were all destroyed. And then one of the bigger, and then one of the other cities that are talked about is the city of Tyre, or Tyre. I'm not exactly sure how to say it. And in the history, this is one of the cities that stood against the other major empires of the time. Assyria tried to siege against Tyre, and it withstood. For 13 years, Babylon tried to siege against Tyre, and they held tight. But now, the Lord is saying, even they will fall. And of course, if you are a big fan of all that ancient Greek history, you know that Alexander the Great famously defeated this heavily fortified city in some pretty miraculous ways. I mean, if you guys go just Google it on Wikipedia, how Alexander beat the city of Tyre, it's pretty amazing what he did and what his people, his army, was able to accomplish. But the main part I want to look at in these first eight verses is at verse 8. The Lord says this through the mouth of Zechariah, Then I will encamp at my house as a guard, so that none shall march to and fro. No oppressor shall again march over them, for now I see with my own eyes. Do you guys remember the stories in the gospel about where the disciples and the people in Israel and Jerusalem there begin to realize that Jesus is the Messiah, what do they think he's come to do? Do you remember? Well, they know he's coming as a king, and they hail him as such when he comes in the triumphal entry. However, they think he's going to be a fulfillment of prophecies like this one here in verse 8. And it's not that he doesn't, but he fulfills it in a very different way. So this verse 8 here says, Then I will encamp at my house. That means I will be around my house as a guard meaning around his people in there in Jerusalem. None shall march to and fro. No oppressor shall again march over them. The Lord, the coming King, the Messiah, will stand as a guard for his people. He will make sure that no oppressor again comes against his people. And so those folks in the New Testament, when Jesus was coming into the city of Jerusalem, they saw this as a very literal, as a very political, as a very powerful image. Of who that king would be. For us, on this side of the resurrection, we know that that's not the kind of king he came to be. He was a king who came to die for the sins of his people. and He was resurrected as the fulfillment of the sacrifice of the perfect lamb of God for the sins of humanity. No more shall oppressors march against God's people. He will encamp around us, not just to stop nations from coming against a people, but from sin itself, from death itself. My friends, as we go today, these last few chapters at the end of the book of Zechariah are just going to be throwing images at us of Christ, 
We need to see this king, this kingdom that is coming, as fulfilled in Jesus. In preparation for Jesus' coming, these nations were destroyed. And once they were, Jesus came as a man in human flesh to fulfill the rest of God's righteousness, to fulfill this prophecy and be the extension of God's righteousness here on earth, righteousness that would finally be imputed to his people. As we close today and we pray for global missions like we do on every Monday, let's pray for friends of mine in Puerto Rico. Let's pray together. God in heaven, we're thankful for today and for this word to us from the book of Zechariah. God, it's so fun to do devotions every day and open up a part of the Bible that we're just not that familiar with. And then when we read it, we see there's some very familiar themes here in this story, that your righteousness comes and it cannot be stopped. Even mighty nations and cities like Tyre fall before the righteousness of our God. Even death itself falls before the righteousness of our God. We're so thankful, Father, that prophecies and passages like this one, though unfamiliar and probably not ones that we have memorized, are so familiar to the Christian life, are so familiar to the promises we hold on to in the New Testament that we see with new eyes because you did come. God, what good news. And so we pray for our friend Hector in Puerto Rico, planting a church, trying to pursue the lost people of Puerto Rico with the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, even the good news we see here in Zechariah chapter 9. God, will you bless his ministry? Bless his church. Bless their efforts to build something from the ground up and just minister to the lost, to the ones who are dwelling in darkness and bring them into your marvelous light. God, call your people out of Puerto Rico. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Go in peace. I will see you tomorrow.